0: to dispel ignorance as he talked about earlier that they were ignorant of what god's righteousness and we we as a creature don't know what is right unless we know god and until we know god we can't know what's right because he is the righteous one and so this whole process of discipleship and the whole process of sharing the gospel with people is to dispel ignorance (laughs)
1: On today's episode of General Order 4, we're going to be talking about how discipleship is the key component of the Great Commission. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to this episode of General Order 4. On today's episode, we're going to take a look at discipleship and how it is a key component of the Great Commission. And we've got a lot of things to discuss today, so um, I'm going to keep the introduction to a minimum, and we'll just get right into uh, the topic that we have for today. Uh, I wanted to remind the listener, if you haven't gone back and listened to episode 2, I would encourage you to do that probably before you listen to this episode and go back to listen to episode 2 because we talk about the definition of discipleship. But in that episode, uh, we come to this conclusion that discipleship is ministering with the goal that everyone— be conformed to the image of christ and if that is the goal of discipleship how does discipleship Uh, how does that apply to the Great Commission? So we need to take a look. We're going to look at several passages of Scripture today. So again, if you do have the opportunity to get your Bible out and follow along with us, I would encourage you to do that. Uh, But if not, that's fine. We'll try to read the passages out to you. And uh, I believe we're going to start in the book of John. And I'm joined today, as always, by Pastor Brian Stewart. And so, Pastor Stewart, if you could go ahead and uh, open us up in John.
0: Certainly. Uh, Looking forward to uh, this discussion this afternoon. Uh, Looking at John chapter 20 and verse 21, just to kind of establish the context here, Jesus has already raised from the dead. He is now appearing to his disciples and uh, just before he is uh, translated and, and goes back to heaven. And so we see here that he says to them, he says in verse 21, Then said Jesus unto them again, Peace be unto you as my father hath sent me even so send i you what we see here is really the foundation or the authority by which uh the disciples are to go forward after jesus ascends to heaven and uh they're to go forward with fulfilling his final command to them in that great commission Mm -hmm. and so we see here he says as my father hath sent me so we've already looked at and Two sessions how Jesus was sent and how he right. uh, saw discipleship as the method and the way of accomplishing what God sent him to do. And so we saw that. We also saw how Paul followed that leadership of Jesus Christ and, and did it in a very uh, the same way. And so he says, Even so send I you here in John. And so we are given the command. We are given the, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, we are to go the way he went. We are to do as he has done. And so our authority comes from behaving and and ministering as he ministered to us.
1: Yeah. And in, in another passage too, I don't have the scripture right in front of me, but he says, you know, that, that I am my father and one, are one. And then he talks about how we are one in Him, and He is in us, and therefore we're all in the Father, and we're all in it together. You know, so he, I think he he uh, in, th- in that passage it kind of re- reinforces what he is trying to get across is that uh, the ministry that God the Father gave Him is now the ministry that He's giving us directly, and uh, that ministry, if you look at Second Corinthians chapter number five. Uh, verses 17 through 21, he speaks specifically to what that ministry is. He says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, this is Paul, uh, he is a new creature, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Christ Jesus, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead that ye be reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. So there's a lot packed into that, into that short passage, but I'll just kind of give it a quick summary here. At the very end he gives the gospel again. Uh, and now he's speaking to believers, so you could question as to why he needs to give the gospel again. But uh, the, the point is that it's central to everything that we do in the ministry, I think. Um, but what is the ministry of the local church? The ministry of the local church is the word of reconciliation. Our job is to be reconciling people to Christ. And, uh, and we've had several conversations now on this podcast about that word reconciliation. And it, it doesn't just mean that those people need to get saved, it also means that uh, that they, their life and their lifestyle needs to be reconciled to Christ. And uh, again, at the beginning of that passage, uh, when he talks about giving us the, Re- the ministry of reconciliation, who's he talking to? He's talking to a local church. Um, and I think it's it's pretty obvious that our job is not just to give the gospel, give the gospel, give the gospel to people, but also to bring them along in the ministry of reconciliation and see their life change uh, and unfortunately, so many of our churches in this modern era aren't interested in seeing people actually change. They're just interested in seeing people get saved. Um, but then their lives don't seem to go anywhere because no one takes the time to teach them and to help them to reconcile themselves to Christ.
0: If we, re- if we remember what this recon- reconciliation is really reconciling to, what are we being reconciled to? What our created purpose was. What were we Mm -hmm. created in the first place for? That's to fellowship with God and to bear his image and his likeness to the creation, to the world that he created. And so when we are reconciled to him, it is our life now is able to glorify god or bear his image and that's why he makes it such a strong point in the new testament that we're to be measuring up to the fullness of the stature of jesus christ and so that reconciliation right. is that entire process that starts at salvation but then continues as i get ministered to through the local church and then uh that process of discipleship that helps us yeah. and notice it at the end here, he talks in verse 21, he says that we might be made, what? The righteousness of God in him.
1: Mm-hmm. And at one time, man was that, was that in that position, you know, before yes. Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they were already reconciled to God. They were already perfect. They well, they didn't even need to be reconciled because they'd never fallen out of uh, fellowship with him. They were still in their perfect state, um, in which he created them in. Um, and so now we have need, obviously, of reconciliations. We can be brought back to God. But as long as we're here on earth, uh, we still have some reconciling, personal reconciling to do. And that, again, happens by being taught and trained by someone who's further along in that process than we are.
0: Yes. And that term righteousness of God, that we are the righteousness of God in him, if that word righteous is really defined for us in Scripture, if we look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 6, we see God actually defining for us in his own word what he means by being righteous. When we, when we see here in Luke chapter one, verses five and six, we see the announcement and the foretelling of John the Baptist. And so the God is talking about uh, Zacharias, who was a priest, and his wife Elizabeth. And they were described here in verse six, and it says, and they were both righteous before God. Well, what does that mean? Well, he goes on to say, and there's a comma, which generally we see a comma, then we see a modifying. And what is he modifying mm-hmm. this being righteous before God? Well, how were they righteous before God? They were walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And so right. what is right, being righteous means what you're doing right. And so we see this wonderful definition of being righteous. And that is somebody who walks in all. The commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. In right. other words, they are obeying what God has said. Kind of sounds like the Great Commission that we are to be taught what to observe, to do all that God has commanded us to do. And so, this righteousness there in Second in Corinthians chapter five and verse twenty-one at the end, it's like we're to be what the righteousness of God in Him. How does that mm-hmm. happen? It's a, it's by the process of discipleship and me being taught the ordinance and the commands of the Lord. And when I'm taught them, then I can walk in them.
1: Yeah. And the apostle Paul, he, he takes the time to write too, um, about this righteousness in Romans 10. And we know Romans 10. Um, a, a lot of us know Romans 10 well as a, as a way to witness to people, because uh, there's a clear presentation of the gospel. Um, and you get to Romans 10 as kind of the, uh, the hinge pin in the Romans road, so to speak. Um, but, we get to Romans chapter 10, we often think of it as, as, a, as a gospel-centric chapter, and it is, um, but there's some, there's some interesting doctrine here. In verse number 2, he says, "...for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge, for they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God." And this, really this whole book of Romans, he, Paul spends a great deal of time from the Old Testament giving the gospel, which is interesting. Um, but it's a, it's a totally different perspective than we find in much of the other uh, gospels. But he, he's coming from the Old Testament, and he's saying, look, here's the law, here's the law, here's the law, and this is why the law can't save you, and this is why you need something else. And he spends this these two verses talking about, again, righteousness. And he says, they, they have a zeal for God, and possibly, maybe, some of these people have trusted in Christ, and they've got a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Uh, they're ignorant of God's righteousness, and they're trying to establish their own righteousness. Uh, talking about Judaizers and different things. Trying to establish their own righteousness, but they have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. Um, and then, towards the end of this same chapter in Romans 10, and we know Romans 10:13, and often we stop there, but in Romans 10, 14... I'll just start in verse 13. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we use that verse all the time. Um, And then in verse number 14, he ties this whole thing into the Great Commission, which I find fascinating. He spends all this time talking about the Old Testament, all this time talking about the Gospel, the Gospel, the Gospel, the Gospel. And then he ties the Gospel into the Great Commission because he's writing to a church at Rome. Again, why is he writing the gospel to a, a local church? These are people who are already saved, most likely, um, because he's going to tie it in somewhere. So he's tying it in to the Great Commission. Verse 14, he says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall, they, how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent, as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring good, uh, glad tidings of good things? So he brings it into the Great Commission, but not not just that. I mean, we're talking about discipleship. Why is discipleship so important? Why is the discipleship process a key component to com- the completion of this Great Commission that we've been given by Christ? And I think in these verses, Paul is tying in a truth at the end of uh, at the beginning of verse number fifteen. He says, "And how shall they preach, except they be sent?" I know me personally, I've preached this way and I've heard other people preach this way, but we bring up verse 14, and we talk about how they can't believe if they don't hear the truth and they can't hear the truth unless somebody preaches it to them. and And that's good, and that's real good preaching. but the gospel, or excuse me, the Bible doesn't stop there. He says, and how shall they preach except they be sent? So it's not necessarily starting the whole process with the preacher himself, but rather the local church, is the one that starts off this process and how this, this person who's being sent out, are they just some random person who's believed and has been sent out? Well, I I definitely don't think so. Uh, especially when you look at the apostle Paul and his calling. Um, and we talked about that in, in in another podcast.
0: They're certainly not a lone wolf, are they? There's, there's the authority of the local church that God has established that Christ said, Hey, I'm going to build my local, my church. And, uh, and so we can't be just lone wolves right. or we can't be, uh, you know, uh, people that are just going off uh, doing whatever we want to do. I think it's really yeah. interesting. And that person,
1: that person has a responsibility to report back to that church, too.
0: Absolutely. I like the, the point here where he says, how shall they preach? The whole point of this is really the Great Commission is, and we are being sent with the Great Commission to dispel ignorance as he talked about earlier, that they were ignorant of what? God's righteousness and we we Mm -hmm. as a creature don't know what is right unless we know God. And until we Mm -hmm. know God, we can't know what's right because he is the righteous one. And so this whole process of discipleship and the whole process of sharing the gospel with people is to dispel ignorance and not that they're stupid, but that they're ignorant Mm -hmm. of what is right and what is good and what is holy. And uh, you and I get to be a part of that process and be the ambassadors for Christ. Uh, it's just a wonderful blessing and thankful that God includes and let, would let us be a part of that. If we look at Mark chapter 16, we see uh, one of the passages that deal with the Great Commission as Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's giving them the, the Great Commission. We really see a wonderful uh, two things that are really done here. He defines exactly what the the Great Commission is all about, and it is that we are to do two things. One, we're to go into all the world, and that three-letter word "all" is simply not telling us. It's telling us that we're to go everywhere. There is no mm-hmm. place that we're to be not going into the world but when we go what are we to do are we to try and uh, help people with their social standing are we to help them in their political or geopolitical standing are we to help them in their physical standing or their physical health no he says very clearly we are to go into all the world if we're a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ we are to go as he went as he was sent we are so we so are sent and we looked at right. that in John 20:21 20, but now he's saying, hey, I want you to go into all the world and I want you to preach the gospel to every creature. And so it's not just to go into every nation and preach it to every nation, but we are to go into every aspect of the world. And anywhere there is a, a mankind, we are to preach the gospel. And he makes it very clear that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, the disciples would have clearly understood that. It's talking about his death, burial and resurrection and uh Mm -hmm. for the salvation of man's sin and so he says hey this is what i want you to do and he really clarifies and defines for us that it's the preaching of the gospel and where is it to be done into all the world
1: right and it kind of reinforces too back at the the episode that we talked about about the difference between ministry and service Um, He didn't command us to go into all the world and dig wells for people who don't have good water, although that's something that we can do in order to get the gospel to every creature. So um, it it all ties back in together. And and then if we look at another passage of the Great Commission in Acts chapter number 1, in verse 8, he talks about not just sharing the gospel, but he says, but uh, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses of what? The gospel uh, unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And so it's, again, it's the same command, but this time with a little bit more uh, information or to go into all the worlds, it's the same command. But in, in this passage, he talks about whose power we're we going in. We're going in the power of the of the Holy Ghost because he said, hey, you're, you're going to receive power. That's how you're going to be able to do this job. Um, and then he clarifies what all the world means. And uh, he doesn't just mean... You, you know, I'm going to Australia. You know, this guy's going to Denmark. This guy's going to Africa or wherever wherever these missionaries are going to. But that each church is responsible for reaching all the world at the same time. He says, "Be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth." Those are all things that are taking place at the same time, and you can tell that that's what he means because he says the word both. Um, all of these things are supposed to be taking place at the same time. So you're supposed to be reaching uh, Jerusalem or what my version of Jerusalem is. Uh, for me, I live in Knoxville, Tennessee. So Knoxville, Tennessee is Jerusalem for me. Um, but he says in Jerusalem and Judea, which is that area right around Jerusalem and Samaria, that area that nobody wants to go to and the outermost parts of the earth, the farthest reaches of the planet. Um, I'm a missionary to Australia. I'm from where I live, I'm quite literally going to the farthest reaches of the planet. If I go any further, I start coming back home. Uh, but the, the the Great Commission, the command for my local church, is not just to send me to the other side of the planet. It's also for them to reach their own city, their own state, and to reach out to those people that nobody else wants to reach out to.
0: In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, we have probably the most recognizable passage that uh, Jesus gives to his disciples, and we have his instructions, and it says in verse 18, "...and Jesus came and spake unto them..." He's talking about his disciples there, "...saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you alway, even unto the end of the world." as we kind of wrap up this uh, episode here to really define this discipleship as the the key component of the Great Commission, I want us to look at this passage and, and see how really it is the central part because the Great Commission starts first of all with identifying whose power we are to go in. Uh, We are to go in Mm -hmm. God the Father's power that is sent to us through Jesus Christ. So as God the Father sent Jesus, so we are sent uh, out into the world with his same power and his uh, Mm -hmm. strength to be able to go uh, and do what he's called us to do. Then he says the very first thing that we are to go and do is teach all nations. When we looked at Mark, we saw that that was defined as preaching the gospel, so what are we mm-hmm. to teach? We're to teach the gospel. That means that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that right. he buried was buried that he rose again on the third day. And all of that happened according to the scriptures, according to the way God said it was gonna happen in the scriptures. And so that is the first aspect of the Great Commission. We are to go and teach how many people? All nations, where we to go into all the world, into Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world, uh, starting in Jerusalem. So all of these passages are saying the same thing, but they give us the wonderful nuances of this Great Commission. And then when somebody accepts the gospel, then we are to baptize them and they become a part of the church, and they get established in that local church. And then what are the, what is supposed to happen? What is the primary function of the local church? Was to edify and build up the believer so this person mm-hmm. that's been saved received the gospel they've followed in the step of obedience and baptism and become a part of the church now they are being edified and built up in the by the word of God so that they can become a minister of reconciliation as we saw in second corinthians and as we see in other passages that we're to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ ambassadors for Christ And so they are to be discipled. And notice how he talks about discipleship in verse 20. He he defines discipleship as what? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. So you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, are to share with people and teach them, not just to hear it, not just to intellectually receive it, but to observe to do all that is commanded. Why? Because in that is where righteousness lies. And right. that righteousness is what is important is what is important because we are righteous in Christ. And so as I understand and know Christ, as I understand his commands and his uh, instructions for me, then mm-hmm. I can be righteous in him by following and obeying those just like Elizabeth and just like right. Zacharias did. And so we see, we see here that he wants us to do that. Well, if I'm being discipled, to observe all things whatsoever christ has commanded us to do well then i'm going to be conforming to the image of christ and i'm Mm -hmm. going to be glorifying god he says in uh, 1 corinthians 10 31 that whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do do all to the glory of god and so we find in john 15 8 herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit Mm -hmm. so here's where discipleship really is that key component to the great commission because I can count how many people I give the gospel to and how many people receive it. I can count how many people get baptized and become a part of the local church and start attending the local church. And so there's really a a quantitative value to those two things. We find on the other side of the spectrum or the scale, we have conforming to the image of Christ and glorifying God. In order to glorify God, I've got to bear much fruit. That means i've got to lead people to christ and and give them the opportunity to receive the gospel and and if i'm going to glorify god that's the way i'm going to do it and i need to be conformed to his image but i can't really put a count or a number on how many people are conforming to the image of christ this week or how many people are really glorifying god with their with their life this week and so that's more of a qualitative thing how do i how do I have a balance between those? Because we've seen so many churches over the years that get all focused on how many salvations and baptisms there are. Mm-hmm. And they, they are and there's nothing wrong with that because that's certainly part of the Great Commission and valuable part of it. But the other part of the Great Commission is that we conform to the image of Christ and that we glorify God with our lives. So how do we get to there? I think it's by having a balanced approach to discipleship. And it really it's saying, hey, just like Christ was balanced he spent time with the multitudes giving them the gospel telling them who he was and preaching to them but he also spent a uh, a lot of time with his disciples helping them to grow and mature so that they would be able to go and do the work of the ministry when it was time for him to go back to his father and so discipleship uh, is that key component or that linchpin of the great Commission and if we have a balanced approach to discipleship, then we should have a balanced approach to the ministry. And the Great Commission really can be summed up in this. It's giving the gospel to every creature here and abroad, and I can't give it to every creature by myself. So I need to partner with others, and that's what the importance of the local church is, and that local church partnering with church planters around the world who are going around giving the gospel and establishing local churches so that they can also be edified and built up to do the work of God. So it's the giving of the gospel. It's the establishment of it being established in the local church through the first step of obedience and baptism. And then it's being taught in that local church how God wants you to conform to the image of Christ so that you can glorify God by what? By bearing fruit for him. Not what kind of fruit? Much fruit. Not just fruit, not just more fruit, but much fruit. And you'll see it's that third level of fruit bearing there in John chapter 15. And so the Great Commission, in order for it to be accomplished, it requires the local church. It requires the ministers, that the, the believers in that local church being equipped mm-hmm. to be the ministers of reconciliation. So that in the end, who gets all the glory? Well, it's the one that sent our savior. And it's our Savior who sent us, and it's our obedience, and basically it's our living righteously in all the ordinance and commands of God blameless.
1: Right. And we, we obviously, you know, we, we believe that the, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, that it's it's nothing else. It's nothing that we can do to give people uh, the power of God unto salvation. The reconciliation process, um, we know that we have, we have status in heaven because— the, Christ's robe is placed on us and our sinful robe was placed on him at the cross. So that's not what we're talking about. But we are talking about um, a, a personal holiness being developed in a, in a believer's life. And as that personal Amen. holiness is developed in that believer's life, he then becomes more effective to go out on his own and fulfill the Great Commission and as, as God intends for him to do that. Um, and, you know, I, I go from church to church and on deputation and I present what God's given me to do. And I I always try to be as clear as I possibly can be with what my objective is. My objective is not to go and to reach a bunch of Aussies with the gospel. Because if I do just that, then I have not fulfilled the Great Commission. My goal is to go and reach as many Aussies as I can because God wants Aussies to go into all the world and preach the gospel. uh, That the world is supposed to be being reached not just from America, but from Australia as well. Uh, Because every local church has a responsibility to go into all the world and preach the gospel in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost. And every local church has a responsibility to make sure that the believers that are in that local assembly are reconciled to Christ and are sanctified, have personal holiness, so that they can be effective ministers in Jerusalem um, and in Judea. So, you know, we can't focus so hard on one side of it i happen to be the uttermost for the churches that support me but i also am to be jerusalem and judea and the uttermost for the church that i will one day establish in australia i have to be it has to be both
0: it really this this whole thing is what it's a it's a process of maturity it's the process of maturing in christ being more like him every day and so we are blessed to have the opportunity to to have the knowledge and to dispel the ignorance of those that don't know how to do that and uh what a what a blessing to be able to grow in our own walk with him because certainly none of us have arrived yet but at the same rate we can continue to see others get closer to him as well Mm -hmm. and boy there is nothing more encouraging than watching somebody grow in their walk with the lord
1: And Christ makes no qualms about making sure we know where the power comes from in these passages either you know and in pretty much every one of these passages he says I'll give you power or the power of the holy ghost to come upon you or in Matthew he says all power is given unto me and then he says lo i am with you always so he always makes it very clear that the the power of the gospel comes from him the power to disciple and teach and train other people also comes from him uh so we get no credit in this thing it's all it's all him um all we can do is work on our own personal holiness and teach others to do the same and to be willing to teach and share the gospel with other people so that the Great Commission can go forward. None of it happens without, uh, the power of God and salvation, which is the gospel and, uh, the Holy ghost working within us. So, Amen. um, I think that's, that's pretty much a wrap. Um, on what we've got today, discipleship is a key component of the Great Commission. It is the key component, um, of the Great Commission because without it, the world cannot be reached. People have to be taught and trained to do the same thing. Um, because, If that that doesn't happen, then the work for the ministry ends after one generation because no one was taught how to do it going forward so uh, discipleship is the key uh, component for the Great Commission I hope this was a blessing to you and encouragement I hope you'll share it with someone else Um, almost every podcast listening format has a share button on it if you would uh, take this particular podcast episode if it was a blessing to you and click the share button and share it with some other people Um, if not you can always copy and paste the link and share that on whatever social media or text messaging or however you want to do that Uh, we are always happy to hear back from you as well so please reach out to us on our Twitter or email account and I'll give that to you uh, in the outro here. So thank you so much again for listening and uh, we'll have another episode coming up next week. Thanks so much.
0: All right. God bless.
1: Thank you for joining us for this episode of general order Four. on the next episode, I'm going to be doing an interview with pastor Hernan Holana of Sydney, Australia. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can reach us by email at generalorder order at gmail.com. That's F O U R or on Twitter at general order, the number four, please like share and subscribe.